This is The Good Life. Food, wine, and all the good things of life. Now, here's the host of The Good Life, Guy Bauer. Good afternoon. Welcome to The Good Life. I'm glad you stopped by here at KNSS every Saturday. Uh, I wish you were with me today, because I'm not at KNSS. To the miracle of digital recorders, I'm actually uh, somewhere halfway between the western end of Cuba and the port of Miami. We're on Oceana's Riviera. It's been a glorious 16 days so far. And there's so many things I want to tell you about the ship, and I'll do some of that in the future. But more importantly, I want to introduce you to somebody that has been a friend and acquaintance for, for several years. I had the privilege of starting our chapter of the American Institute of Wine and Food, AIWF, in Wichita. That was after helping to start the South Florida chapter. And when I started our chapter here in Wichita, not only was it the fastest organized and ratified in the country ever, but it was the fastest growing. We went from 37 to 5 in about a year and a half. With And we're still, now we're one of the only three viable independent 5013Cs. Well, that's a long-winded story to say I had the pleasure of spending time with Miss Julia Child. Um, I think all of us who are foodies and in the relative same age period as me, ancient and getting dangerously close to 70, when you came home from school, you watched Graham Kerr or Julia on TV, uh, and maybe if you were a, a potential foodie, that, that flamed you up. One person that had some flame from those things, but then from so many other, is Stephanie Hirsch. Her official title here on the ship for for this beautiful cruise line that features some of the best food in the world is one of the chief culinary instructors. Stephanie Hirsch, welcome to The Good Life. Well, thank you so much, and we're thrilled to have you on board. And it's also nice to see you again after such a long hiatus. Yeah, I, it was so funny. We passed in the hallway and chatted for a minute, both of us masked on. And I handed you my card, and you said, oh, I know that guy. And I think the last, either we were in Aspen on one of the visits that Julia spent some time in Aspen, or it was in Miami uh, associated with the South Florida International Food and Wine Fest, uh, whatever. Uh, seems like just yesterday, and it was unfortunately not just yesterday. Steph, uh, there's so many things I want to ask you and talk about, but more importantly, I want to turn you loose. I'll poke you every once in a while with a question, but you've done this so much, and, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and my listeners today. Your history, background, your culinary experience, the time you spent with Julia, and now more importantly, what you're doing for the cruise line, one of the best culinary education programs, hands-on, uh, is incredible. So first off, congratulations on a magnificent history in food. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. All right. So uh, I think you need to share the Reader's Digest version of a little light bulb in an oven. Okay, so when I was six years old, I got a Betty Crocker Easy Bake Oven, which is one of those little replica ovens with the 400-watt light bulb inside. And, of course, as a six-year-old, you know, you mix the powdered mix with the water, and I'm sure it is like cardboard, but you bake it, you put it in the oven, you push the tray in, set the timer, ding, out it comes, 
and you mix the next packet that's the frosting put that on top and then you serve it and I think it didn't have to be me it would have been any six-year-old to any adult the response is universal aren't you a marvelous pastry chef so at six years old I decided I was going into the culinary world so everybody thought that was cute and nice and fun and of course all through uh, elementary school and high school they all thought it was cute and nice and fun and I did tons of, of cooking and baking and in fact when I was in high school the uh, Spanish teacher married the French teacher and I catered the wedding if you can believe that I mean, and, and you were how old I was 14 15. oh my god a daunting task at any age right. but at that age in particular and yes you had some experience cooking but this was the beginning that was really the beginnings yeah and uh, it, was, it was great fun, but it was at a time when cooking was actually manual labor. And so you could start working in a restaurant as a pot washer, and uh, if you stayed there long enough, they'd train you to clean the veggies, and you'd become a prep cook. And then if you stayed there long enough, they'd train you to work on the line and do some fast food. And then if you stayed there long enough, you could become um, a, a sous chef. And then if you stayed long enough, you could become a chef. And then you could become an executive chef. And it was really just endurance. It was if you stayed at a place long enough, people moved on. Nowadays, you can't do that. You can't become an executive chef unless you understand nutrition. Uh, you have to understand allergies. You have to be able to do menu plans. You have to be, deal with sustainability. You have to deal with with budgeting and marketing, and and also restaurants now are known for the chef, whereas before it didn't matter who was in the kitchen. It was it was the name of the restaurant. So there's a lot that's changed since I was uh, graduating from high school. I had my heart set on going to the Culinary Institute of America, and I was talked out of it because I was told that I was way too smart to go into a profession that was not really a profession, but just manual labor and going nowhere. And so, much to my dismay, I got talked out of going, and I ended up going to Franklin and Marshall College in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. It's a big pre-med, pre-law school. But I decided to pursue a different type of tort, and so I went to culinary school after graduating. Now, mind you, while, while I was there, I majored in theater, English, and anthropology. Not exactly a winning combination for employing people, but... So when I graduated from culinary school, I moved up to Boston and had a great time and worked in several hotel kitchens and ran my own wedding cake and pastry business called Chef Steph. And then I decided food was very regional in the 1980s and I wanted to see food in another region of the U.S. So I thought, well, how do I get from Boston to wherever? I didn't have enough money to pick up and go. And I thought... I don't have enough clout, really, to say, pay for me to move. I mean, I probably could have, but I didn't think that I did. So I thought, I'll get a job in corporate America, and I'll work for a year, year and a half, whatever it takes, until they transfer me out of state, and then I will quit that job, and I will work in restaurants wherever they've moved me to. So this was my brilliant plan, except that I didn't know how to type, and I didn't know how to use a computer because I was the last group of students to go through high school and college without needing to know that. So, of course, you couldn't get a job in corporate America without those skills, so not being easily daunted, I enrolled myself in the Catherine Gibbs Secretarial School. And so there I was in their three-month program that was specifically designed to 
help career changers launch their new new entree into business. And so I uh, was just about to graduate. I had lined up a job with a big banking firm. And the day before I graduated, as I walked into to my final typing exam, one of the ladies from the placement office came up to me and she said, we just received a phone call from Julia Child. She's looking for a secretary with a culinary background, and in the history of the school, you're the only student with that background. Is it okay if we send your resume to her? I said, yes, please. And I went in and I took the typing exam, and as soon as it was done, I went racing across campus into the placement office, and I said, when do I start, or does she want to interview me? And they said, she doesn't want to hire you. She's asked us to send other resumes. And I said, why? And they said, she didn't specifically say, she just asked us to send other resumes. And I said, well, could you please call her and ask her why? First of all, I'd like to know, but secondly, you should know if you want to send an appropriate candidate. And they said, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to bother her with that. We'll just send other, other resumes. And I said, well, could you give me her phone number so that I could call her and just ask her why she doesn't have to hire me, but I'd, I'd like to know what it is about my resume that made her say no. And they said, well, we're not going to give you her phone number. And so I, being the quiet, diminutive wallflower that I am, planted my feet into the floor and I said, hand, uh, dial the phone and hand it to me. And for whatever reason, they actually did, which was quite amazing. So there I was in the placement office with these ladies looking at me, and I was on the phone with Julia, and so they were only hearing my half of the conversation. But we chatted for almost 45 minutes about the food in the U.S., how regional it was and what was going on, and she wanted to know what it was like to be a female student at the Culinary Institute of America, especially since it was mostly male at that point. She wanted to know what it was like to work with all the chefs that I worked with in Boston because she knew them all, but she wanted the behind-the-scenes dirt, not not the superficial, this is how we behave in front of Julia. And so, um, and we chatted and chatted, and in between each of these little tidbits of conversation, I would repeat the question, why is it that you don't want to hire me? And because I kept thinking she knows everybody, nobody would have given a bad reference, and so what's what's going on here? And eventually it came out that she didn't want somebody who was going to come in and try and get into the kitchens. She wanted someone that was going to come and work in the office. I figured out that what she really was planning on doing was hiring someone to come in get the backlog of paperwork done that had accumulated and then whoever that was was going to be let go they were really just sort of a temporary hire but i don't think i think she thought she wouldn't be able to get anybody if she said this is a temp job so um she just said you know here's this job so at any rate i convinced her that I was not interested in cooking, that I had spent all this time learning to type and use a computer, and that she should hire me to come work in her office. And so she asked me if I was afraid of the computer, and I told her I wasn't afraid of anything. And she said, okay, well then can you start tomorrow? And I said, sure, why not? No problem. I repeated again for about the 25th time, I understand I won't be cooking in the kitchen. And then finally, she, you know, I got off the phone, and the placement office people were appalled 
how are you, is it that you're going to miss graduation tomorrow? I said, no, I'm not missing graduation tomorrow. I'm working for Julia Child tomorrow. You can mail me my diploma. I, if I'll, I'll have graduated. And I went home and I wanted to call everybody and say, guess what? And instead, I only made one phone call. I called the bank and I said, something's come up. I need to postpone my start date by a week. And they said, okay. And so I thought, well, there's plan B if it doesn't work out with Julia. And because I had convinced her to at least give me a try before she found somebody else. And so that was fine. So the next, that next morning I get up and I have this knot in my stomach, not because I was going to work for Julia Child, but because I had never been a secretary before and I had no idea what I was walking into. So anyway, I pull up in front of the house and it's just crazy mayhem and I ring the doorbell and Julia Child comes down and answers the door herself. And so she explained to me that she forgot that they were filming a day in the life of Julia Child for Canadian public television. And I said to her, if you forgot this, you need me. <laughs> And that was the first start. Then she hands me three Xerox pages from The Way to Cook. And she says, this is from my new book. I'm supposed to prepare lunch for myself. Please get it ready. The kitchen's up there. And she points up to the right. So I walk up the steps, three, five steps up and into the right. And there's Julia's famous kitchen, all the pots and pans hanging on the wall. I thought, great. I know where all the equipment is. And I turn around to like ask a few questions and she's already in the other room with the cameras rolling doing her interview. So I think, okay, I've never been here before. It's awfully trusting of her. Now I'm thinking, I look at the recipe, it's for Santa Barbara fish stew. And I'm thinking, I hope she has fish. If not, I guess I'm going to go buy some. So I go and I open the fridge and sure enough, she did have fish. So she hadn't completely forgotten. She just, I guess, had lost track of days. At any rate, I didn't know if she wanted it prepared or measured or what she, you know. So I divided the fish into three equal amounts and did the, the recipe. I did it uh, in stages. I did it just measured and I did it completely all the way through. Gave her a high five sign of, you know, here we are, we're ready. And she said, now I'm going to make myself some lunch. And she walks into the kitchen and she takes the one that's been done in stages and combines it and adds it to the finished one. So she hasn't cooked anything and it's all just combined. And now they stop filming. And Julia, the hair and makeup lady, the cameraman, the producer, the interviewer, and Stephanie Hirsch sit down at Julia Child's kitchen table and eat the Santa Barbara fish stew that I have made and Julia has assembled. And she leans over and she says, that was very good, dearie. And I said, Mrs. Child, it was your recipe. Of course it's good. And I'm really glad that I will never be in the kitchen, that I'll only ever be in the office and not cooking. And she laughed and she said, I'm glad you've got a good sense of humor. Please, when we're done, tidy up and I'll see you on Monday because this is a Friday. So that was it. So I got into the car to go home. And as I, um, as I turned on the engine, the I saw the clock and I thought oh, I can make it to graduation so I zoomed across town and I got into the graduation just as they were finishing graduate graduating the three-year students they were just about to bring up the three-month students and I snuck into line with my colleagues and right behind us was faculty and placement and they whispered what kind of computer does she have what kind of office does she have how many people are there what's the software and I turned around and I smiled and to these people that heard me say 25 times that I knew I wouldn't be cooking I I said, I don't know. I cooked lunch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think 
one thing that I, I've known about you from the first time we met was that you and Julia had one thing in common. You were both forces of nature. And, and, and your enthusiasm and your diligence and your persistence put you where you are today. And it's a pretty cool thing. We need to take a break. I'm here, uh, I'm on a cruise ship halfway between Cuba and Miami, heading back after 17 days of uh, great fun on Oceana. I'll tell you more about that later. Stephanie Hirsch is my guest. You've heard her beginning story. There's so much more to hear. And frankly, we could stop talking about history and her progression in the culinary world and just talk about food stuff and have fun. I wish you were with us. We're in the Culinary Center here on Riviera. And wait till you hear about the new Culinary Center that's going to be on future boats. I'm Guy Barrett's A Good Life. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Don't go away. <laughs> 